Welcome to episode 29 of The Journey is a Reward. The opening music is performed by the Madalizio Youth Choir, and it was recorded when I was in Zambia. I'm Brian Coleman, and I've been a frequent flyer for a large portion of my life. Most of my travels have been on United Airlines as a member of their Mileage Plus program. As a result of traveling around the world, I've flown over 5 million miles, and almost 3 million of those miles have been with United. This is earned me lifetime premium platinum status. This year, I set a new goal for myself. Wait, is it this year or is it next year already? Uh, I don't know when this is going to come out. Last year you said, <laughs> yeah, it's last year you yeah. set a new goal for yourself. Last year, I set a new goal for myself to fly the remaining 300,000 miles in less than 18 months. This will earn me 1K status for life. I think I'm going to actually leave that whole thing in and not do any edits for this. Along with my co-host, Micah, we'll be documenting these remaining flights. On the show, we'll talk about my adventures, the passenger experience, and who knows what all else. The goal is to document the journey as it is the reward. So let's get started. Hey, Micah, due to the holidays, we have another Windows and Isles show. I hope all of our listeners had a great holiday season. Certainly hope you did too. And we wish everyone a very safe New Year's. Well, Happy New Year to you. Can you believe we've been doing this for like a year now? This is unbelievable. No, I really can't. It's amazing how time has flown. Yeah, absolutely. And we still have at least two listeners that are flying along with us. No, I got, oh, I got uh, feedback. I forgot to put it in the show notes from a listener that said, no, there's definitely more than two listeners because they make the third. Oh, <laughs> that's great. That's great. So really, we should tell them the reason why this is a Windows and Isles show. You know, you said because it's over the holidays. Really, we are both so exhausted from that last show in South Africa and your trip that we just couldn't put another one together like that. So we're going to just kind of do one with some listener feedback. Well, and I haven't been flying either, so that helps an awful lot. Because we are opinionated people, and I think some of the questions that have come in really will enable us to share our opinions. So being that this is a listener feedback show, well, who did we hear from? Well, our first bit of listener feedback comes from Pete. And Pete writes, I was listening to the Airplane Geeks episode 729, and I heard you and Micah start to get into a little bit over biometrics. Yeah, I guess we kind of did. I was wondering about your thoughts as you seem to have polar opposites on the issue. Can you please go into further details of your feelings? Well, first of all, <laughs> I, I think we need to let our listeners know that yes, you and I sometimes disagree on things. It's rare, but we do. Sure. But we can have those disagreements and we can even battle it out verbally and it doesn't make any difference. We're going to toast ourselves and have a great time anyway. And yeah, I think we may feel a little differently on this, but oftentimes, even when we disagree, we find we're coming from opposite sides, but come together in the middle of when it comes right down to it. Yeah, sure. So let's, I guess, back up a little bit. And for those listeners that don't know about the biometrics, if we could explain a little bit about what the biometrics are. Well, okay. Biometrics are face ID, iris ID from your eye, fingerprint ID. It's means of identifying someone through a biological method of that's something that belongs to them. DNA identification would be biometrics, but something that is not a password, something that's not written, something that's not a document. It's a part of the DNA of the individual you're dealing with. And what the airlines are using this for, one example is boarding an airplane. So instead of showing the boarding pass, you could look into a camera, it could scan your iris, and then look you up, verify who you are, and then allow you to board the plane. It could also be used at border control. 
same thing, either giving your fingerprints, taking a picture of your face, doing an iris scan, allowing you to go through immigration faster. Yeah. Facial ID is what's being used very uh, regularly now. And you see that oftentimes in, in, in news headlines. And, um, and that's something that, uh, again, you have no control over. And it's something that worries me. I was just thinking one of the other places that it's really become popular is with the clear system. So clear like TSA pre it's a separate company, but you could either do an iris scan or a fingerprint and you could get access to the boarding gates by going through one of their machines. What's your hesitancy over this information? There's a lot of different reasons. I'll give you an example of something that happened over facial ID recently. There was just a headline in the New York Times. There was a mother who happened to be an attorney for a firm and was taking her daughter along with the whole Girl Scout troop to Radio City Music Hall. Because her firm, not her, she had nothing to do with it, but because her firm was suing the company that owns Radio City Music Hall, not even Radio City Music Hall, but the whole Madison Square Garden company, corporation that owns restaurants and facilities like that. She was caught on facial ID and she was removed and not allowed to accompany her daughter into the show and not in front of her Girl Scout troop, was not allowed to go there. Not because she had anything to do with the lawsuit, because she worked for the firm that was suing the company that owns Radio City Music Hall. Security guards came up to her and escorted her out. You have no control over what happens once your facial ID is stolen or taken. And if it was correct that uh, she happened to be identified correctly, then... That's a bad policy for this particular organization, but if you're identified incorrectly, there's nothing you can do to change it. Once you give away that identification, you have no way to recall it. And once it is stolen, you have no way to recall it. There's nothing you can do about your privacy. You have given it up completely and totally to the world. And all that stuff is going to be stolen because when it becomes computer records, it can be taken very, very easily from anywhere in the world and reused in any way that you they wish. So have there been any instances that you know of with the airlines where information has been either misused by an airline or by the governments? Not yet. But mm -hmm. perhaps the most secure company in the world that stores online data that's not biometric, Equifax, has been hacked. And sure. all my data and other data was stolen from it. Once that data is out there, it can be used by anyone. And while the airlines haven't had their data stolen yet, as far as I know, Marriott has. And Marriott may want to use facial ID to have me enter a room. There are other companies that have, and there are other companies that will. You can't control the data. Somebody can hack in and get anything. In fact, that's one of my concerns with electronic medical records. It used to be that nobody would steal a medical record. Now, medical records are the number one targeted data theft in the world right now because all the data, medical data, social security numbers, payment data, all of that stuff is available and stored electronically, and you have no control about how safe it's going to be, how good the security procedures are from the company that has it once they take it. I agree with you over the theft of the information can be a problem. I just don't see how it can be any more of a problem than the issues that exist with theft of data currently. So the biometric data just seems to be one more piece and I can get a new driver's license with a new pic with a new picture on it or a new driver's license number. I can even get a new social security number. I can get a new credit card number. I can never get a new face or a new iris or a new fingerprint. Well, you could get a new face, that's for sure. But I could certainly use one. <laughs>
Yeah, we've never gone this deep into the conversation and some things that I haven't, I guess, really considered or thought much about where I look at it just more as the convenience of getting through the system. Now, one of the things that also makes me pause and might possibly change my mind over this, I was listening to another travel podcast and they were talking about, and something that I've done in San Francisco, boarding an international flight, you have to do an iris scan in order to get on the plane. And it seems really good. They say you're able to opt out of that. I've never tried to opt out of it, but I could not imagine the hassle that one would go through in opting out because I'm sure it would very much confuse the gate agents. They would wonder why you are opting out and they have the right to do a denied boarding at that point. No, they don't. If you have an option to opt out. Right. But do the gate agents know about it? If their suspicion is raised as to why you are opting out, they can deny boarding for you. And a gate agent can deny boarding for any reason that they feel is appropriate. That is true. Sure. So they'd have to justify themselves. It'd cause a problem. But unless if I'm on a trip where I really don't need to be where I need to go, I'm probably the type of person to try that and just see what would happen. But it would be an interesting lawsuit when they denied boarding because they didn't understand what was going on, didn't understand right. the policy. And then you bring them to court, the the airline, and the airline realizes, oh my gosh, we owe this guy a lot of money mm -hmm. for a lot of different reasons. But in Portland, Maine has a law that disallows facial ID. Mm -hmm. So the Portland jet port and Paul Bradbury, the airport director, is uh, actually a little upset about this because it would make things much quicker for them. But Portland, Maine disallows it, so they have to come up with alternatives. And there are alternatives. That's why we have passports. That's why we have driver's sure. licenses, et cetera. And that's why we have, well, we may one day have real ID in this country, although <laughs> I have some issues with that because that's a required national identity, which... Again, I have a real ID driver's license, but it's kind of like you must show us your papers because we don't trust you to move from one place to another. It's starting to sound a little bit like living in a, a uh, not living in a democracy anymore. I understand the security of it. But right. again, and I can bring it down to this, I must show you my papers in order to board an airplane, but I don't have to show you my papers if I want to vote. Kind of interesting. It's definitely a complex topic and I don't know, something for us to continue talking about at a later time. I'm still, I don't know, not convinced in the fact that for many things, you have to give up your fingerprints. Fingerprints are biometric, so they could do boarding instead of using your irises by fingerprint. But I can choose to give up my fingerprints, for example. Uh, now, well, no, if you go to get a job with the certainly the state of California, I believe many federal jobs, you have to give your fingerprint. So, yeah, your choice is do you want the job or not? If you want the job, you have to be fingerprinted. If you don't want the job, sure, don't have the job. That's true. And when I got my carry permit in Florida, I needed to be fingerprinted, but I had a choice not to get the carry permit. Right. But you don't have a choice. If they set things up so that you don't have a choice with facial ID or with iris ID, then your data is being stolen. And plus a fingerprint- well, it could be stolen. Well, you don't know. I think technology could be used for good. It could be used for evil. I still like to believe, I'm living in this fantasy world, that it could be used for good. And therefore, the evil bits, I'm willing to take the risk for all of the benefit. But again, I could be completely naive over this. This is why I think we need to continue the conversation after I think a little bit more about it. And who knows, maybe you will change my mind.
Ben Franklin, who I love for so many different reasons. He was the one that said, those who would give up essential liberty to purchase a little temporary safety deserve neither liberty nor safety. As appeared in the October issue of the Hemispheres magazine, the person I most wanted to sit next to on a flight was Ben Franklin. There we go. Yeah, for many, many reasons. I find him to be such an interesting individual. Would love to have sat down and had a conversation with him. He knew about it over 200 years ago. We need to remember what he had to say. Yeah, fair enough. So, Pete, I hope that answers your question. I don't know that we're polar opposites. I don't think we're ever polar opposites, but we always... We always come to, I've learned a lot of things from Brian and he's changed my mind on a lot of things. And I suspect the same can be said in reverse. Absolutely. We enjoy the conversation, if nothing else. And I really hope that it appears to be a conversation because that's the way I view it. And you know, you take me and Brian, you put us into a room to make a decision. We'll come out with three opinions. <laughs> so who else did we hear from? Now, our next bit of listener feedback comes from Jim. Wait a minute. We just want to make sure. Was that our, our Lex Nissler? <laughs> our next our, our, our so Lex you can't even Nissler. say it. yeah our next our next nissler <laughs> yes our next listener jim who oddly enough jim and i have known each other for oh, probably going on 30 years or so i did not realize jim was a listener and jim wrote in with a personal question and a question for the show Jim writes in and says, hi, Brian, loving your podcast. Hope it all works out in March. Best of luck in the 3 million mile project. Why are the soap pump bottles in the lavatories always mounted on these springy dongle structures? There must be an obvious reason for this, but I can't figure it out on my own. I don't know, Micah, do you have any, uh, first of all, do you know what Jim's talking about with these springy dispenser things that the soap is attached to? I vaguely remember something about them not being directly on the counter, and I could never quite figure out why. The only thing I might come up with is maybe the center of gravity so that the pump, the bottom of the pump is in the center of the liquid, but I don't know. Yeah, I have no idea either. And I've noticed that there are different types of attachments for the bottles to fit on, and they all seem very weird and unusual and either over-engineered or under-engineered, but they're different. Later on in the month of January, I'm going to be flying on a Southwest flight. Then I'm going to be on a United flight. If I remember, I'm going to go in the lavatory and take pictures of these. And we could have a follow-up conversation. I'm also going to see if I could remember, and I'll ask the flight attendants as well. But I honestly have no idea why the soap bottles are mounted the way they're mounted. Well, two things. As long as you're, as long as you're going into the lavatory to take pictures, take a picture of yourself because then you can be a laviator. A laviator? Yeah, because you're in the lavatory <laughs> and you're flying. So you're a laviator. Okay. <laughs> but the other thing I was going to say, do you remember, and I do, when you used to go into an airplane lavatory and there weren't pump bottles, there were little individually wrapped soaps. No, that I don't. Yeah, that I don't remember. I remember those distinctly. And uh, and you sometimes you'd find one left on the sink and sometimes you'd have to open up a new one. But yeah, little individually wrapped soaps in a dispenser. Oh, like the little hotel bathroom soaps? Even tinier. Yeah, wow. No, I, I do not remember that. There's always been a pump bottles, best of my recollection. So what else did Jim have to say? Uh, well, this is the reason why Jim wrote in, and I hope he doesn't mind me talking about this. And I'll summarize the email because it was kind of long. So he purchased four non-refundable tickets through Expedia from Amsterdam uh, to Seattle. Yeah, I know. I don't like the sound of this already. <laughs> exactly. 
his routing is Amsterdam, Seattle, San Francisco. Even though they are Americans, they're currently living in Amsterdam and they returned home for the Christmas holiday to the San Francisco Bay Area. So they bought four first-class tickets on Expedia. Again, Amsterdam, Seattle, San Francisco. It's a return trip. On the return, he didn't notice till he got here, is that they have a 40-minute connection in Seattle. And he's concerned because of the connection time. And I think with 40 minutes in Seattle, I'd be concerned as well. And especially departing out of San Francisco, because oftentimes flights out of San Francisco are delayed. San Francisco has this long-standing issue with weather and the runways. They're a little bit too close, so they have to go into a single runway operation when the weather gets bad. And just with delays wintertime anyway, 40 minutes just doesn't seem like a lot. But Expedia is saying that the 40 minutes is a legal connection. Therefore, they're not willing to do anything for him. So he was asking, what should he do? Should he buy another ticket later on in the day, the next day? If he makes the flight, cancel it. What happens to his bags if he does get on the other flight, but the bags are still tagged on his original flight? Just the permutations of things that could go wrong and the possibility of lack of support through Expedia just seem massive. I don't know, Michael, what are your thoughts on this? Well, should we start from the very, very beginning and, and go over Jim's first mistake? Yes, he realizes that now. Don't buy tickets through Expedia. <laughs> Never buy tickets through a third-party website unless you're willing to take a chance. Take a chance on everything. And if you do buy tickets through a third-party website, immediately after you purchase them, buy your travel insurance from somebody other than that third-party website. Or do what I do and just get an annual travel insurance policy, and that way you're covered. Right, but he needs one for his whole family. Yeah, they have family annual travel insurance policies. That's assuming if you travel enough. But yeah, travel insurance can be a savior. But that's the first issue. Too late to do anything about that. Yep. The next issue is, uh, I'm trying to think if it's uh, Amsterdam to Seattle. Is it Delta that runs that nonstop these days? Correct. I'm trying to remember. Yep, it's a Delta flight. I would call Delta. And I would try to get them on the phone and explain the situation and explain the concerns and see if indeed it is a legal connection. And if it's a legal connection through Delta, I would also ask the agent, look, I purchased the tickets third party. What is Delta's responsibility and how can you help me and find out what's going to go on? And then after that's done, hope. <laughs> yeah, well, my suggestion to him is I, I was hoping that they have an awful lot of frequent flyer points and they could go ahead and buy tickets for the next day, which he's willing to do. And by buying the tickets through frequent flyer points and or revenue, if it's a refundable ticket, you could always cancel them. Yes, it'll be a really expensive revenue ticket. Heck, it'll probably be a really expensive frequent flyer ticket, but at least you'd be protected on the next day. I think if he wanted to take the chance with Expedia, he could also look to see if there were any other flights either later on that day. I know he didn't want to do a connection through another airport, but that's a possibility. Yeah, you know, he could fly down to Los Angeles and actually, are they even doing a Los Angeles-Amsterdam flight any longer? I believe he would have to go to either... Newark or Boston, Chicago. I think someplace De east. Detroit. Minneapolis, which are places he doesn't want to go, or or Atlanta. I don't think Delta flies nonstop to Amsterdam from maybe maybe Salt Lake City. No, but I was thinking through another carrier. 
if you're um, gonna have to buy another ticket, then that's you, have, you have many choices going with another right another carrier. But it's a real interesting issue as well that if he were to get to Seattle for whatever reason, miss the connection, what happens to his luggage? Does it go the next day on the flight? If he were to fly on a different airline because he chose to do that, would Delta leave his bags in Seattle? I honestly have no idea what would happen to his luggage if he were to book a different flight once he started his journey. I believe Delta has a responsibility to get, oh no, because he would have canceled his Delta flight. Well, he would have been a no-show. He would have been a no-show. They would have canceled him. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's tough. I so don't know. know yeah, this happen. is a real interesting predicament i thought yeah it really is this is another reason why carry-ons are really good but tough with the whole family <laughs> when you're traveling that kind of distance over a probably a holiday Correct. uh trip and and again traveling over the holidays that's a terrible time not to travel with travel insurance in fact this whole Southwest debacle that's been going on as we're recording this uh, is a perfect, perfect commercial for Allianz. And um, do you remember the old commercial for V8 vegetable juice? Oh, I could have had a V8. Yeah, right. Well, <laughs> yep. this is a commercial for Allianz. They should be making the commercials. It should air in the Super Bowl. Oh, I should have bought travel insurance. Yes. Uh, yeah. The winter meltdown of 22 is just absolutely amazing with what's been going on with Southwest. But fortunately, the government is looking into it, and they're going to do a complete investigation, and the outcome will be really taken care of. They're going to take Southwest, they're going to rub their nose in it, and they're going to shout, bad airline, bad airline, and Southwest will learn from it. I think Southwest has reversed their initial response to this, and they're at least saying that they're going to issue people refunds and pay for their hotel expenses and pay for clothing or other incidentals. So it'll be interesting to see if they actually do that, but yeah. I tend to believe that they will. I think that Southwest is truly customer-centric, and I think they just got involved so deep in this problem that they couldn't handle that. They were so busy trying to find out where their crew were, where their aircraft were, and how they were going to put it together that they sort of forgot about the customer service end and the customer relations end. But I think they will come through in the long run. I certainly hope so, because that's what Southwest is known for, customer service friendly operations. They just kind of Oh, all the wrong things happened at once. But yeah, and for any of our listeners that, that don't know, Southwest had a meltdown of their IT infrastructure. And gosh, I guess saying it politely and succinctly, they didn't know where their planes were. They didn't know where their crews were. They had no idea how to get things back on schedule, except to say, we're going to shut down the operation, give it time and do this whole process manually to figure out where everyone is, where the assets are and get them back in the air again. I think to put it politely and not using the vernacular, the appropriate term would be a fecal feature. <laughs> yeah, it was, uh, oh boy, it was a mess. But yeah. it's it's getting straightened out now. And yeah, hopefully they will do the right thing and the government won't have to be involved. No, it should be up and running by uh, by the first of the year with any luck. Yeah. yeah. And we don't know when this episode will actually be released, but yeah. So anyway, Jim... I don't know what to tell you. Uh, I uh, am sorry to say that you've probably learned an important lesson for the future. I, I hope that some of this helps, but definitely give a call to the airline directly. Uh, you have non-cancelable tickets, so you just got to, at this point, pay your dollar and take your chances and hope that 40 minutes works and that there's no delays in uh, in San Francisco. Yeah, but having a backup is 
definitely the way to go at this point, assuming you want to get home, which I'd imagine traveling with your family, you do. And one more thing, get the flighty app, Jim. Uh, it's something oh, that would good be point. very handy for you to have. Yes, the Delta app will be helpful to you. Flighty will be faster. And even if you have to buy it for the month, which I, what is it? I think it was $9.99 if I remember correctly. Buy it for this trip and have it available because you start getting updates 25 hours before your flights and you can see what's going on. Some people don't like to have that because all it's going to do is going to make them worry even more. But if you want to <laughs> be updated, yeah, get a look at it and you can be one step ahead of the game. Definitely worth it. Great advice. I forgot all about flighty because it's just part of my routine now. So yeah. Mine too. Yep. Good one. So listener Lou wrote in with another question. Do you want to hear what listener Lou had to ask? I always want to hear what listener Lou has to say. Hi, Mike and Brian. I'm really enjoying the interviews you're doing. Did you ever think of doing this full time after you reach your 3 million mile goal? Listener Lou wants to know. I don't know, Brian. What do you think you want to do when this is finally over? Are you are you are you probably sick of me at this point? <laughs> no, I could never be sick of Uncle Micah. Not a problem at all. I'd sort of talked about this on the Airplane Geek show. Was it episode 729 when we were on together? And Max asked uh, what we were going to do. And doing the recordings that we're doing, they've been kind of fun. And I think if the listeners want to listen, if you want to do it with me, I think continuing to put out, I'm not sure if the right timing's once a month, once a quarter, we just get some interesting industry people and talk with them and have a conversation. I think that we could do it whenever we find somebody that we find interesting and, and appealing that we think our listeners would like that we could do for here on the Journey is Reward and also maybe share with uh, with the airplane geeks for those people that only listen to one or the other. I've really enjoyed some of the interviews. Actually, I've enjoyed all the interviews that we've done. We've had some great people on. And in fact, next week, we have a guest that I think uh, I think our listeners, again, for both shows are going to really enjoy. And mm -hmm. I don't know if it's next week, but we know it's next episode. Yeah, so the next episode. Yep. Yeah. So I guess it's not cast in stone yet, but I think we'll probably end up doing this. So the listeners haven't gotten rid of us yet. No, no matter how hard they try. And again, it's uh, I'm really offended at yahoo.com. <laughs> oh, the other thing, I'm not sure if I should save this for the shout out section or not, which I guess the shout out section's coming up so I could do it here, is I really want to thank all of the listeners that have contributed financially to support this show. And it's especially valid this month because I've gotten the bill for the web hosting site for the web content management. So it's just really nice to be able to take the funds that our listeners have so generously contributed to us and be able to, well, it hasn't quite covered all the bills, but it certainly helped to pay for all the infrastructure that's required in order to get this show produced. So thank you so much for the listeners that have given. Absolutely. We couldn't do it without you and we really appreciate you listening and we really appreciate you contributing almost even more. <laughs> almost. And then we also have a shout out for listener Andy. Andy is an audio engineer and he's offered to help train us on how to use the audio editing software so we could produce a better quality show. Well, we certainly need to be able to produce a better quality show. That's no doubt. Um, and I guess one last shout out, maybe it's not a shout out, it's a request. The opening music was recorded when I was in Zambia by the Marilizio Youth Choir. And unfortunately, one of their singers passed away. 
We put out a request last show for people to contribute to the funeral expenses, and I'm going to make the request again. If anyone has any extra during this, I know it's a difficult time of year. You know, many people have many more expenses than what they were planning for. But if anyone has any extra money that they can contribute to the funeral expenses, that would be greatly appreciated. If people wanted to follow us on social media or wanted to write to us, what's the best way to do that? Oh, the best way to write in is send an email to brian at thejourneyistherewar.org. And if they want to follow us on Twitter or Instagram or Facebook? The Twitter handle is TJITReward as in the journey is the reward on Instagram. It's Brian global traveler and on Facebook. Yeah. We never found out from listener Lou, if it's at Brian, the journey is the reward or just Brian, the journey is the reward on Facebook. I don't know. But either way, we want to thank listener Lou for really taking care of all that because we have other things that we're crazy busy with. And listener Lou was kind enough to take that on. Not that she's not busy with other things, but thank you so much for doing that. Yeah, absolutely. And it's not that I'm crazy busy where I can't take care of this. I just have no desire to learn how to use this stuff and participate in it. So I'm so phenomenally grateful that, and we'll give her a title, social media director, Lou, Ooh. or listener Lou. Yeah. So grateful for uh, taking care of that. Now, you did just do a Christmas trip to Santa Barbara, but you didn't get any mileage for that. So there's not really an update. Where do we stand on miles? Yeah, I drove up to Santa Barbara for Christmas. You know, I was going to spend Hanukkah in Santa Monica, but it just didn't quite work out. The rhyme wasn't good enough for you? No, but it's a song, and that's what we're going to close the show with this week. Really? You'd spent Hanukkah in Santa Monica as a song? Yeah, there was a song by Tom Lair, one of the most hysterical people ever in terms of funny songs. And he wrote, I'm spending Hanukkah in Santa Monica. And I think we definitely, just like last episode, we closed the show with Skokie Ann. Hanukkah in Santa Monica. It's a catchy tune, and I think we need to close the show with that. Works for me. From the mileage standpoint, I am currently at 2,909,391 miles, which means I have 90,609 miles to go. As I've said many times, you can do that standing on your head, but we know for sure you might not do that, but you'll definitely be doing it butt in seat. Yep. Would much rather do that. Well... I actually spend part of the time talking with the flight crew, so I'm doing it standing up as well. <laughs> so, from here in Portland, Maine, this is your main man, Micah. And this is your global traveler, Brian. Fly safely. I'm spending Hanukkah in Santa Monica, wearing sandals, lighting candles by the sea. I spent Shavuos in East St. Louis, a charming spot, but clearly not the spot for me. Those eastern winters, I can't endure them. So every year I pack my gear and come out here till Purim, Rosh Hashanah. I spend in Arizona and Yom Kippur way down in Mississippi. But in December, there's just one place for me. Amid the California flora, I'll be lighting my menorah like a baby in his cradle. I'll be playing with my dreidel, spending Hanukkah in Santa Monica by the sea. It's all right. No, you are all set. Yeah. Very impressed. Woohoo. Yeah, doing well. Wait, actually, I can't tell. Hold on. Let me turn the slide on. Ah, now I can't see. I couldn't tell if there was on that side if there were if I cut myself or if it was a shadow. Guess what was the shadow? The shadow of your cut when you There's a song about that?
The shadow of your smile when you are gone will color all your tears and light the dawn. Look into my eyes, my friend, and see all the love that you have given me. I think Bert Bacharach. Okay. I'll take your word for it. It's terrible that I know all that stuff. That's not for the outtakes. <laughs> oh, come on. <laughs> <laughs> I think our listeners would love to hear you sing. <laughs> really? Really? You don't want me to use it? Whatever you want to do. You could say there's a song about, okay, whatever you want to do. Let's just not talk about ethics. Uh, yes, <laughs> since clearly mine are flexible. It feels like our trip to the UK together was like 100 years ago. Yeah, and, it does. You know, and, and I, had, I, I did not remember that it took place this year. Yeah, so, in January. Yeah. yeah. So anyway. And then with the credit card that I have, which I never thought I'd use it, I get a $250 credit for incidental stuff. Oh, wow. Yeah, so I could buy food or whatever. Yeah, the card costs $450 a year, but I get the $200 airline credit, the $250 Hilton Resort credit, access to a priority pass, and some other stuff. If you use it, it pays for itself. Yeah, kind of. Although I, I look at the airline credit, the $200 airline credit, as money that I might not have paid anyway. For example, I designated American Airlines when my mom and I went to Charlotte, we bought the passes. But because you're buying the passes anyway, and you've paid the card, so you're really just prepaying for the lounge access. That's true. So it's not really free. It's just prepaid. Right. So, but it makes the card worthwhile. Well, and then you get diamond status. So you get the room upgrades and whatever right. else they throw in there. Yeah, I mean, you're able to use that kind of stuff a lot more than I do because you tend mm -hmm. to travel a bit more. But, you right. know, that's the only reason the, the only card I pay for is my IHG card because, oh, well, it used to be you get a free room. Now you get 40,000 points. So I got to look at the value of 40,000 points. Oh, really? They're not doing the free room certificate anymore? No, it's not a free. It's, it used to be, uh, you know, just a free room at any IHG hotel. Now it's 40,000, a free room up to 40,000 points. Okay, but most of the hotels that I've stayed at are, well, now 23 to 25, 30,000. So what I have noticed, though, is that most of the hotels that I'm looking at now or that I used to use have gone from what they used to be 35,000. They went up to 41,000. All okay. of them have gone up just what, just enough so that you can't use the freebie. Well, they do the points and money, so you could still you could do that use the slider. So if it costs right. you ten fifteen dollars for the room, but I, what I found is the points and the money end up being no bargain when it comes right down to it. Welcome, welcome, welcome to episode twenty nine of the Journey is a Reward, and he's offered to help train us in the use of edit. And boy, do I need help for this? And Andy has helped. A, Andy has, jeez. This will be a fun edit. Andy has offered to help train us on how to use the audio editing software so we could produce a better quality show. And heck, I'm just having a hard time talking. Maybe I need to go to a speech coach and that would help more than editing software. And if you are a speech coach, you can write us at the... <laughs> yeah, Brian at the journey is the reward.org. Yes, that would be wonderful. And since we're not on YouTube, I'm not going to get in trouble for copyright violations. Or at least not that I know of. I probably shouldn't say that. We'll find out.